This is the Marketing Podcast Network. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Hello and welcome to Uncorking the Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm pleased to introduce you to Sarah Panous. Sarah has over 20 years experience helping billion-dollar brands attract upper-funnel leads that drive lower-funnel results through storytelling. Now we're going to get into what all that means, so don't worry if you don't know what that means, people. Sarah is a content strategist, podcast host of Marketing with Empathy, and owner of Kindred Speak. She's on a mission to humanize brands help content marketers reduce and overwhelm confusion and raise money to fund child trafficking rescue missions. We want to get into that as well. Welcome to Unquirking Story, Sarah. Thank you so much. So super excited to be on. Um, I'm excited to have you here. And uh, Sarah, I have to ask you the first question, which I ask everybody, which is where does your story as a storyteller begin? Definitely. So for me, my passion for storytelling really began. I was a small town Minnesota farm girl that had like dreams of being like in, in New York City, which I did. So I went from small Minnesota farm town to New York City fashionista and worked in the fashion industry. And in between there, we went to college, right? And what I realized was I always have had like this passion for writing and storytelling and journalism and things like that. And so when I was going to college, I was like, what do I want to do? And I explored a lot of different paths. And what I realized was I didn't want to be in front of the camera. I wanted to kind of be behind the camera, helping represent different companies. And so my career started in public relations. And so that's what I did for the first part of my career is I worked at a PR agency. I worked for a wedding gown designer as their communications manager, worked with a lot of different brands, um, Starbucks, Nestle Waters, American Heart Association, Lint Chocolate, which was a great client because we got all sorts of free chocolate. And um, I loved that. I loved like helping tell and understand the stories of the brand, of the company to better connect with their audiences. And so um, did that on the agency side and then in-house. And then I ran um, social influencer marketing, content marketing strategy for Sleep Number, a billion dollar sleep retailer um, for 12 years. And then about a couple of years ago, went off on my own to start my own brand consulting company, my brand storytelling strategy company called Kindred Speak, where I help brands speak a kindred language with their audiences. And so I've been doing that now. So basically all in all, a little over 20 years experience doing this, um, always in like the digital aspect, but like that storytelling angle for me is so incredibly important because I've seen firsthand how valuable it is, um, at connecting like heart to heart, mind to mind, like that humanizing of the brand to really help 
and create that connection with their audience. And I love the brand side because brands have so much influence. They have budgets, they have teams, they have resources, right? They have distribution and they're like in a lot of different places. And so they're really poised. And I think are, have a huge responsibility to do good for their customers and help them. And it's something that we as people just are craving is that connection. And I think brands have a tremendous opportunity to do that. Yeah. So how did you know you were ready to go out on your own? You know, after working for, you know, other people, other organizations, how did you know, like it was, it was the time to start doing this for yourself? Yeah, really good question. So I actually, um, at the end of 2019, so right before COVID started, um, I'd gotten the itch that year. And so I was about 18 ish years into my career. And I just really felt like, Hey, I really want to help more than one brand. I really love the work I'm doing. Maybe I could go out on my own and, you know, work with a bunch of different brands. And honestly, at the time, at the time, like as I was going through it, it wasn't crystal clear. I was trying, kind of thinking of a lot of different paths that I could take. And so what I had decided the end of 2019 was that, okay, I'm going to do this as a side hustle and I'm going to see, I'm going to keep my day job, do this as a side hustle. My day job was fine with me doing that. And so I had created Kindred Speak, everything, the website, everything. Um, and I had started doing my side hustle. And then COVID hit in, you know, fast forward, you know, a few months, 2020. And it was such a blessing because um, at Sleep Number, where I was working, they had to furlough 40% of their entire workforce during COVID. And I was one of the impacted parties. Um, so anyone that wasn't driving, you know, immediate that day of type sales, just they just had to put on pause for the time being. So Honestly, um, it was a great way. It was a great push for me because during the three months that I was furloughed, I was like, well, I have this side hustle already. Let's go all in. So I went all in so that by the end of my furlough, I didn't want to go back to full-time. I was like, this is great. I want to keep doing this full-time. So it actually was a blessing for me because it pushed me and gave me the courage to do a big leap faster than I probably would have done it. To be honest, I probably would have kept doing the side hustle for a year. I'm sure I would have. Um, but once I was in it and doing it full time, I was like, no, I, I can do this. And it's been so rewarding to work with different brands and do what I love to do. Yeah. So how do you find your customers? How do you find your, the brands that you work with? Yeah. So right now, I mean, I'm a couple of years into it. So still a newer entrepreneur for sure. And so the customers and brands that I've been working with um, have definitely been through my network, you know, people that I know. So um, I worked in-house for Sleep Number for 12 years. Um, like I said, then they then hired me um, on as a consultant to keep working with them, you know, for several years, a couple the last couple of years. And then others just that I know within my LinkedIn network. So at this point, it's just really been word of mouth and people I know and, and folks that see and follow me on LinkedIn. And then they'll reach out and ask questions and we go from there. Right. So, you know, I, I hear the term brand storytelling and I know that could mean different things to different people. How do you define, you know, storytelling, you know, for brands? Like, and what's an example you can give? Yeah. So it is kind of, it can be a broad thing. You're right. Cause people can just refer to it as any type of piece of content. So when I talk about storytelling, I'm not talking about promotional ad sales, direct like conversion type content. I'm talking about more upper funnel. So the things that are more editorial in nature, they're the things that will really help give you either education, inspiration, you know, that, that extra connection of like, what is the brand about? And does this relate to me? But something that is really a story that is going to help 
um, create that connection, either heart to heart or mind to mind with the consumer. So it could be in any format, you know, um, brand storytelling can come across in videos and blog stories, um, in podcast, uh, interviews like this, um, infographics, um, animated explainer videos. I mean, there's a lot of different like ways it can come across and unpack, but it has to have sort of like an editorial overlying message and tone. And it's not about, it's not like you would go to like a company's website and it's all about like the product and the price and the warranty and all that. That's not brand storytelling, but what would be, would be, um, a great example with sleep number that we, that I worked on was sleep numbers is billion dollar sleep wellness company. They make sleep number beds and bedding products, et cetera. Um, hundreds and hundreds of retailers across the U S so they're very much focused on health and wellness. So from like a health and wellness perspective, from research we were doing, um, found like this gap of like so many people have so many questions just about sleep. So they're not necessarily even looking for that specific bed yet, but they have a lot of questions about sleep. So how can that brand be truly the leader in sleep wellness? And so we created a free sleep wellness program called sleep 30 sleep 30.com is the site. And it was designed to be like a 30 day, um, program, we tested out all these different sleep tips and which ones work the best to help people fall asleep better. Um, and things that really what they did during the day and how, what you do during the day can sabotage your sleep at night. So that was the whole thing. Like we knew the bed covered you at night, but like, what were your actions you were doing during the day? So again, that doesn't have to do with the product specifically, but it has to do with the underlying values that the storytelling pillars that the company cares about, which is helping you ultimately sleep better. So you feel better and, you know, can just live your life better. Um, so that's a great example or story stories of, of your customers and like what they're able to do in their life as a result of using your product or service or being tied to your brand in some way. But that customer story is the hero, not the product. The product right. just made it possible. Right. Right. And I imagine, you know, with, with the proliferation of social media, um, you know, I think brand storytelling has always been there. It's always been around. It's, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's been a form of, you know, quote unquote advertising forever, but with social media, it's, you know, you can share these stories a lot easier. You can get them in front of people and you can target, um, target, you know, the, the, the right people to get the right message at the right time. Um, 100%, 100%. And there's so many great brand partnerships with media companies now, right, that you can tap into like a media company like Thrive Global or Katie Couric Media to co-create content together and tap into their network to reach the audience that if you have like type audiences. They, and those media companies have in-house content teams and your brand has in-house content teams. Like there's such a ripe environment right now for brand storytelling because so it's so such a competitive market and everybody is trying to figure out how to be the thumb stopper for their audience to get them to stop and read whatever it is that they've created or watch whatever they've created and brand storytelling is a way to humanize that brand so it's not just another commodity um and so that is just such a huge opportunity and there's so many stats right now as i'm sure you've seen about just people are craving this connection i mean the um, there was a stat that um, from the CDC that like almost half, it was like 41% of adults now have anxiety or depressive disorders and like youth mental health is worsening and because people can argue because of, or it goes both ways, but social media, I think is feeding into a lot more people feeling kind of lonely and isolated 
misunderstood. Like there's a lot of that like comparison thing that happens because we can see everybody's everything. So there is just, again, such an opportunity for that connection, which is really important to me. What role, if any, does, does market research play in your process? Just curious to know. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely huge. So um, when I talk about like how to kind of create like the right brand storytelling framework for a company, I have this method I've created called the Fed method, F-E-D. And market research feeds into that incredibly through like the, the, one of those pieces, um, do you want me to unpack? I can kind of unpack. Yeah, I would, lo- I would love to hear more. Yeah. Sure. So, um, FED. So it's kind of like, just as humans, like I always talk about, like, as we know, we need like three things to be like healthy and thrive, you know, we need exercise, sleep and food. Right. So I think every brand storytelling framework needs like three things too. And they need, it needs focus. It needs empathy and it needs data. So market research really feeds into, um, the data piece, but so with focus, just like it sounds, um, you have to, it's super easy to be distracted. And this is for anyone, whether you know, you're writing a book or creating a whole plan for a corporation. But um, I recommend focusing on three brand storytelling pillars. So being really focused on what are those three buckets of things that you want to talk about. And then all of your stories can kind of fall underneath one of those three. And then with empathy filters, <clears throat> this is a big thing. And it ties in a lot of what I talk about on my podcast, Marketing with Empathy, which is, um, what are those things that can connect with your audience heart to heart or mind to mind? It like brings them and sucks them in. So I've identified like four different types of empathy filters. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first is data informed and data, just like it sounds is going to be like stats or things that you find. Um, so 40, you know, eight, 6% of our audience has high school aged kids living at home. That's like a data informed empathy filter. Like where you're like, it's data, you know, that their parents, they have high school aged kids living at home. SC, the next one is like SEO informed. So I love SEO for insights to inform content plans because it's just like, a humongous focus group of what people are typing in and looking for online. It's completely unfiltered, right? They're not worried about what someone's going to think of them when they're typing something in, you can see it. So SEO informed is great because you could look at that to say, okay, well, we see a large volume of people that are searching for ways to better communicate with their teenagers. Okay. Well, now you're getting like some more insights that could feed into your storylines. There's, they want help communicating with their teens. What is that? You can go deeper into like the questions and things that they're looking for. The third type is um, human informed. So these are like those shared feelings that we can all relate to with each other. So I, my favorite is like, I always pick the slowest checkout line at the grocery store. <laughs> I like always do. It's just, it's inevitable. And um, when I bring that up, a lot of people are like, yes, uh, me too. You know, so that's like a shared feeling or um, waiting in the car until a great song finishes. Spotify did a great ad campaign around that actually of like funny situations where people really should have gotten out of their cars, but they didn't because that great epic song was on and they just wanted to hear it till the end. Like that's a human informed empathy filter you can relate to. And then like the last one that's really powerful is nostalgia informed um, empathy. So nostalgia is really very powerful empathy filter. So those are like those key moments and experiences that people go through. So COVID is a great one. We're all going through this shared big experience Um, or there's examples can be like people going through the same decade or having the same favorite toy growing up, watching the same cartoon, things like that. 
So those, um, so that's empathy. And then the D in, in my Fed method is data. <clears throat> so that's where the, your market research question comes in, market insights. Data, then when you pair data with empathy, that's really the sweet spot when you put all these together. Then data can come from tons of different places, internally and externally. So I like to think of it like a puzzle. Um, you yeah. have to kind of gather all the different pieces together. Um, from whether it's social listening, SEO, paid insights from your media team, internal employee insights or customer loyalty programs, website analytics, you know, third-party agency findings, things like that. Yeah. I ask about market research because that's that's really my day job. Uh, I don't really talk about it too much on this podcast, but I think it's relevant here. You know, I spend, um, you know, day in and day out just talking to consumers. Um, so I'm, uh, I run focus groups and one-on-one -on -one interviews, um, you know, other, other sort of methods to get insights out of people. And, you know, what you say around empathy to me is so true because I always think with my, um, you know, I consider myself a bit of an empath and, and sort of listening to consumers tell their stories, you know, not necessarily asking them, Hey, what do you like a versus B in the situation? But what really, really interests me is hearing consumers tell stories about their lives and then finding, you know, some, some storylines within that, that we could use to, to do some, some kind of creation around, whether it's ideation or brainstorming, or something like that. And, and oftentimes, you know, clients, you know, will hire me um, to, you know, they'll, they'll say, hey, we just want to learn more about a market. And I remember one time, a uh, big insurance company right before uh, healthcare reform went into effect. So this is going back to like 2008, 2009. They didn't, they didn't know much about the uninsured market, but they were going to have to learn quickly about the uninsured market because now they had to sell products to people who you know had previously been been uninsured, so they wanted to kind of know, hey, what kind of messages should we put in front of them? And the the stories I was uncovering from people who are uninsured—they're not uninsured because they want to be uninsured. Um, they were uninsured because they could not afford to be insured. And I remember, plain as you know, day, a woman in um, in Chicago, South South Central Chicago, no, that's South Central is Los Angeles, uh, the South Side of Chicago. Uh, she she's telling me a story. She's like, you know, I went over to my sister's house, let myself in, and I found her dead on the couch. And I said, oh my gosh, I did not expect this to, to kind of be uncorked, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what happened? She said, well, she had breast cancer and she didn't tell anybody about it because she couldn't afford treatment and she didn't want us to worry. Oh, how um, sad. And I'm like, these are the messages that our clients need to hear because it's not about, hey, what message can we use to make them choose, you know, Aetna versus Cigna when it comes to insurance, it's, hey, let's listen to these stories about people's lives and their experiences with healthcare. And it kind of changed the whole trajectory of, of the project. But um, empathy is, I mean, I know it's like a buzzword now in, in marketing, mm -hmm. but it really is one of the most powerful. If you can tap into empathy in, in a way that's authentic, um, then your brand can really stand apart from, from other brands. I agree. And that's why I would say it's about connecting heart to heart or mind to mind. And that empathy plus data takes the guesswork out of it. So some yeah. people are like, well, we could just tap into what we hear, like initially what we think people are feeling. But when you really do the research and you have the data to prove it and pair that with other tone of voice type things that you're hearing from your customers, that's the sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's really when your content will thrive and that it will resonate. It'll get your engagements. It'll, it'll do the job that you're looking to do in terms of connecting. And it just, 
more helpful, more useful, more valuable to create yeah. and spend your time doing that. So I know your organization is still pretty young, um, young and successful, but do you have a sense of who your dream client is? Like if, if there's a dream brand out there that you could work with, who would, who would it be? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I actually have like a whole list of a bunch of them on a post-it on my wall, like right in front of me. Um, there's so many great brands out there. I have like my crush brands too, that I'm like, oh, I would love to work with them. So Shutterfly does an amazing job with storytelling. I would love to work with them. Um, Starbucks does a great job and has is poised to have a lot of kind of rebound opportunity to improve because I know they've been struggling a little bit right now. Um, and then there's like lifestyle brands like Sherwin-Williams and um, Beauty Counter, which is a all natural skincare line. Um, Spotify is one of my crushed brands I talk about because they just do an absolutely amazing job at data storytelling, data informed storytelling in such a relatable way. And it's music. So there's obviously that other connection you get. So they have that benefit, but they're so smart, so smart at what they do. And there's like, I, there's just so many different brands out there right now. Um, but I love like the, um, the direct to consumer space, um, the B2C space. And, um, from like a nonprofit perspective, one that's really near and dear to my heart that I talk with pretty regularly not as a client, but because I'm a donor, um, is, um, in the beginning, you mentioned, I help, um, fund child trafficking rescue missions. So there's this great nonprofit called international justice mission, and they help facilitate all, all, oh my gosh, so many different things, but they fund these child trafficking rescue missions and it rescues adults and families in addition to kids, but there, the, the fact is, is that there's more people trapped in slavery today than there ever has been ever in our history. It's just crazy when you hear, think of it. And there's like so many different forms of slavery. There's like literally like for kids, there's cyber trafficking where kids don't even, they just literally have to stand in front of a computer and do things um, for perverts across the world. Um, there's a lot of different things happening. So what I do when I started my business, I was like, okay, this has always been something near and dear to my heart. I'm going to donate a portion of all of my profits to this, to this organization, to IJM, to help fund these child trafficking rescue missions. And so um, last year was the first full year I was able to do that, which was really amazing. So I, I talk with them, but they're, they're an amazing organization um, doing wonderful things. So I think non, the nonprofit space is really um, a great area as well for storytelling too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, um Everyone can use it, right? I mean, uh, to me, it's it's like good storytelling is how brands, you know, I, I think of Dove Soap as a great example, you know, Dove Soap cleans you, you know, maybe a little bit better than Dial or, or whatever, name a competitor. <laughs> but the storytelling they've been able to do around, you know, girls and self-esteem, you know, really going back 20 years, um, mm -hmm. you know, when they launched the campaign for real beauty, that, that, I mean, to me, that is one of the most powerful examples of, of brand storytelling there is because you know they launch an ad on the super bowl for dove soap featuring little girls singing you know the cindy lopper song um you know that to me that gets attention number one because it's so different than everything else you're seeing on the super bowl but then it's not about you know it's not about the soap right it's about mm -hmm. the body wash i should say they'll get my unilever clients will get mad at me for calling it soap um <laughs> it's got a quarter moisturizing cream in it um, but you know, to me, that's a great example of, of brand storytelling and combined with, yeah. you know, social responsibility. Absolutely. Have you seen the dove campaign? It's pretty recent where they use the new, that artificial intelligence to like put their moms, like these young girls, moms faces on, 
um, bad influencer advice that they saw online. Have I haven't seen that? seen that. I haven't seen that yet. Oh my gosh. It's so brilliant. And again, like there, this is, I talk about focus being one of the parts of the fed fed method. They are very focused on what their storytelling pillars are and they stay true to that. Right. And everything they do, but they had this, I'll, I'll find the link and I can send it to you. You can put it into the show notes. Cause it's a great example for people to see, but Dove had this great um, campaign where they had these younger teenage girls or tween age girls. And it was showing the really harmful and awful and terrible advice, like beauty advice that so-called influencers on social media are sharing and telling these people to do. And a lot of what they're sharing is supposed to be intended for like grown women, but these teenage girls are listening to this advice too. It's just awful. And so what they did though, is they brought like mom and daughter into this room just by themselves, big screen in front of them. And they thought they were, I forget how the setup went, but they thought they were there to like watch some advice and then talk about it. I think to get like, give feedback to it, like market research, a lot of, you know, like what you would do. And instead they use artificial intelligence where this influencer came up and it's a real video, but they had modified it so that it was the mom, the girl's mom's face. Yeah sharing all of this terrible advice and it was just sick right and the moms were just like oh my gosh I would never tell my daughter to do this this is just awful and it just kind of hit hit home that like these are there's real people like giving this advice and it was it was so beautifully and well done to 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 draw attention to this issue yeah wow 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 I'll find that link I can share it with you yeah. So one thing I always like to do on the show is get to know my guests a little bit more. And one way I'd like to do that is through pop culture. Um, so I'm curious, Sarah, when you were growing up, what were some of your favorite TV shows? <laughs> okay. So I was obsessed with the Smurfs, like when I was really little. Oh my gosh, the Smurfs. I, the Smurfs. I have so many questions about the creator of the Smurfs <laughs> because 99 male Smurfs. Yeah. And, and one, one male Smurf, right? I mean... <laughs> Do we think but, that, I mean, that's, to me, it's a little sketchy. Yeah, but Smurfette wasn't a real Smurf. She was created by Gargamel, Gargamel. bad guy. That's and then right. he brought it to life as a way to like distract all the male Smurfs. And he was going to try to find out where their hiding place was. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, um, I loved that show so much. Even more to unpack <laughs> there, like, so it's just a bunch of male Smurfs. How do they procreate? Like, unless maybe like in, in, in the Smurf world, you know, you could, you could, I guess, have both sets of sex organs. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like some animals, right? They can just do do everything themselves. Yeah, like <laughs> what, like so a funny. starfish or a seahorse or something, maybe? Or yeah. I can't remember. I think seahorse. I think seahorses do. I think so too. That sounds familiar. I'm not 100, but that does sound familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I loved like the Smurfs and the Care Bears. Um, and grew up on Sesame Street. Oh, and yeah, of course. Yes, yes. And then like in my teen years was obsessed with like Saved by the Bell and New Kids Zach on the Morris. Block and all of that. Zach, Zach Morris. Morris. I had such a crush on him. I <laughs> tried to get my friends to nick be like my nickname be Zach because <laughs> I thought it was cool. It didn't stick. <laughs> no, you can't give yourself a nickname. It doesn't work like that. I was like, it you doesn't. can call me Zach. No, it didn't work. <laughs> no, no. Whatever happened to Zach Morris? He wound up on NYPD Blue, I think. And, and later. Yeah, he's like got an acting career. I've seen him in a few things. He seems to be doing well. And then Mario Lopez was on. Um, Access Hollywood. Access Hollywood. Thank you. Yeah. So, it so seems I've like, heard. You know, so, so I've yes. heard. I mean, yeah. You know. And then uh, what's her name? Um, uh, she played Valerie on 90210. Um, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yes. She went up on 90210 as the bad girl. Yeah, and she and then she like went on to have, I think, like a cooking. She has like some cookbooks and she's done oh, a lot of she? cooking. Mm-hmm. Kelly and Kapowski. 
some random yeah kelly kapowski and i saw her on some random show she was hosting that was like terrible cooking videos on the internet and then like a panel of people sitting there reacted to them so i think they've all kind of found their little thing but i think she's kind of gone on to do more cooking except for poor screech he uh he never really found his way all right and i heard he i know i know he died that's just crazy to think um that that happens but it does yeah 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 yeah. uh then of course elizabeth berkeley uh, her career kind of ended with showgirls unfortunately yeah Um, i don't know what she did after that either i don't think she did much Mm-hmm. She did the Save by the Bell reunion show, I think. I think that's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, she showed uh, up for the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mentioned musical artists, uh, New Kids on the Block. Who else did you listen to back in the day? Mm, Aerosmith and um, Brian Adams. Brian <sighs> Adams, Everything I Do, I Do for You. was Such like my favorite song. song. That was in one that of those Robin Hood Robin movie. Hood, right? Yeah, yeah with Kevin Costner. And I was like, oh, it was like my teen, like youth i thought it was so beautiful i, I, I saw i saw brian adams in concert i'm not afraid to admit it yeah and then i um i loved louis armstrong actually so oh wow um, yeah so kind of old school i would listen to that too very old school very old school uh do you feel as if you have an inner child <laughs> totally my inner child's always there so i actually think this is interesting because with storytelling I think in as storytellers, we have to remember like that childlike wonder in us because that's what like can fuel our stories and our passion and creativity in the world. So I think as storytellers is especially critical that we never lose that inner child and that childlike wonder because otherwise we just are boring and we're just going to blend in and we're just going to be like everyone else. And so hundred percent, I, I, I mean, I'm a mom now I have kids. And so I have to be like the mom and all that, but like, I have like my zany quirky breakout and dance, like just try to be like silly with my kids too. And every time they see something really weird, they're like, Oh mom, that's so you. And I'm always like, thank you. Because I had a guest on my show, CJ Cassiata. He's like this author of get weird. And it really has flipped what the word weird means for me, because a lot of times when people say that's weird, it's meant to be like, that's bad. Yeah. But weird is really a compliment because weird is what makes you stand out. <laughs> weird is what makes you different. It's what makes people notice and, and want to read your content, watch your content, just be interested in you as a person. So I actually hope that my inner child never goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very cool. And it sounds like you feed your inner child every now and then by doing some silly, not, not I don't want to say silly things. It's judgmental, but totally. No, no, it is. It's just silly. I, I, I really try to actively not worry as much about what people think. And it's hard, right? Because just as people, we don't, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to, it's embarrassing. But I try really hard to, <laughs> to work against that. Cause I think we just all got to be who we are and, and that's okay. Are, are the right people who want to attract you? Well, you'll find your tribe. So as a, as a storyteller by nature, do you feel as if you have a book in you? Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. Not right now. Um, I think that everybody has a book in them. Yes. I have no desire right now to write one. I really love helping tell the stories of other brands, um, and get that like scale out there to help more people faster. So that's where I'm at right now. But, um, I think my story that I like to share definitely comes across in my podcast and marketing with empathy. So, um, my solo episodes where I can kind of share more of my backstory and my experiences with my audience to help them advance in their careers. I, that's what I really love doing right now. Very cool. Where can people hear your podcast? 
Yeah, definitely. So marketing with empathy is really anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So Apple, Spotify, and all the other podcast players that people can listen to, it would be on any of those. And it is designed for um, content marketers that are, that want to connect with their audiences through brand storytelling and are just looking for help to do it better. So it's a mix of solo shows. And then I also have brand experts from other brands that come on and share like behind the scenes of what they're working on and things that they're doing and things that have been working just to give that inspiration. Um, and ideas and really tactical advice for people. Very cool. And uh, speaking of advice, if you could go back in time and give your, sorry about that, uh, give yourself, um, I didn't realize my phone was hooked up to my mixer right now, but apparently it is. Uh, <laughs> let's, turn that, let's turn that It's kind of like a dramatic lead into the question. <laughs> if I could go back in time. <laughs> um, but if you could go back in time and, and give yourself, your younger self, some words of advice, what would you tell your younger self? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is he's not worth it. <laughs> uh, really. Um, Who's he in this situation? Yeah. He was an old boyfriend in high school who really wasn't worth even anything um, in hindsight. And I think the big thing is, is like when you're young and this is the advice I give myself is like, small thinking is going to produce small results. Like it's a huge world. Don't limit your world by like the small environment you may feel you're in at that moment. There's a lot more out there. Um, for me, that would have saved a ton of heartache at the time over like a boy who honestly wasn't worth it. Um, but just understanding and knowing there's always more. And I think that's true. Like in just in life, it sets you up to like, don't be things happen for reasons, but it doesn't mean it's the thing. And it is, it's just such a huge world. Right. And so that's what I would have told myself. I would have saved a lot of tears and a lot of time and a lot of heartache, not worrying about that boy. Um, yeah, that would have been my advice. Now we shouldn't even be talking about him now, to be honest. No, no. No. He definitely still isn't worth it. (laughs) I'm sure. Well, I know you were mentioning earlier uh, a special offer uh, or opportunity for the listeners of Working Story. What, What more can you tell me about that? Yeah. So if this like resonates with anyone listening, I do have a freebie. Um, it's, it's titled three ways to improve your content marketing strategy this year. And so I go through three different things that I've learned over the last 20 years and unpack them in three short videos. So it's a freebie. Um, I will share the link with you, Mike, and you can put it in the show notes, but you can also go to kindredspeak.com slash favorites, and it'll be on that page. Um, so anyone that's interested, it's completely free, no strings attached. Um, and then also, um, you can just find out more about me at kindredspeak.com or, um, really active on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of that stuff. Yeah. LinkedIn's my main one. I have, um, Instagram too. Um, my handle there is I am Sarah Panouse. Um, and on LinkedIn I'm Sarah Panouse, but I haven't been active on Instagram lately. Um, I've really been focusing my, taking my own advice and focusing and LinkedIn is since I serve more of a corporate audience, that's been more, it's been producing better results for me. So that's where I focus my energy these days. In addition to like my email newsletter, I have a weekly newsletter that goes out to people and share advice there too. In addition to my podcast. Very good. Very good. Well, Sarah, this has been a a fun and informative conversation. Thanks uh, so much for letting me uncork your story. Absolutely. Thanks for the time. It was was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.